This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello, welcome to Live Chats, the show in which we speak to people who matter in entertainment and arts. Today, it's my honor and privilege to speak with Singapore filmmaker Anthony Chen, and he's about to release his new drama, Wet Season, which comes out November 28th. Everyone should go see it. And it's also premiering at the Singapore International Film Festival as the opening film. Well, uh, my name is John Liu. Welcome to the show and also welcome to Anthony. Hi, good to be here. It's fantastic to have you here. It's always an honour and privilege to speak with you. Now, the film, and you mentioned this before, is a bit of a departure. People who associate you with your previous film, Ilo Ilo, from 2013, of course, uh, winner of the Camera Door at the Cannes Film Festival. Lots of love for that film. People who associate you with that film will be a bit surprised with Wet Season. Tell us why. I think it's... um it's sort of like a coming of age, you know, for me. It's it's uh it represents my maturity. It's it also represents, you know, like how much I've grown over the past six years. I made Ilo Ilo when I was twenty eight and I'm now thirty five. Mm-hmm. So I think I've grown so much, not just in terms of as a filmmaker, but also as a person. Right. And we see that in the film. Now, just to remind everyone Ilo Ilo was family drama. It's about relationships between a young boy, which semi-autobiographically based on Anthony's life, and his Filipino domestic helper. And of course, the relationship between everyone in that family, which includes the parents. The mother in that story, played by actress Yo Yen Yen, she's also in Wet Season. And the boy in that film, Ilo Ilo, is played by Kojala, who's also in Wet Season. Now, just a brief uh, synopsis of what Wet Season is about. It's about the relationship between a Chinese language teacher who's going through some issues in her life with her family. She's a lonely person and she meets Coachella, one of her students, who's also going through certain issues and a relationship results. Now, Anthony, a central theme in this new film Wet Season is a relationship between Ling of course played by Yo Yen Yen and the boy played by Coachella tell us about your ideas for why you wanted to make a film about two lonely people coming together um it didn't really start with two lonely people coming together I really wanted to make a film about a woman sort of approaching another chapter in life you know she's sort of 40 or nearing 40 and and she's struggling with a midlife crisis she's struggling with family life with her marriage with her work life as a teacher and how she needs to redefine herself and walk walk out of this somehow as I was writing you know because she's a teacher you know I just felt that there needs to be you know this arm that comes in that reaches out you know this sense of warmth and where does it come from and it started to come from a student. So a lot of times, I think my writing process, you know, I don't set about confirming everything right at the start. You know, I go on sort of a journey with my characters. You know, it's it's a real discovery of like why they're like that, where they're going, what's their motivation and who are they going to meet in this process, which is why I take very long to write. It took me two years to write Ilo Ilo and it took me three years to write this. Mm-hmm. So... You're saying when you start to write a story, 
you have a vague idea of the characters and then you go where the story takes you. You, you don't have a road map. Yeah, in a way, yes. It always comes from a certain obsession. Mm-hmm. So like in Elo Elo, it was that obsession of, you know, the boy and, and, and having someone else in his life. And then when that someone else being taken away, you know, how does he deal with it? And in this one, I was obsessed by a woman in crisis. And I was just, you know, trying to understand her, trying to get a sense of what she's going through. And it would just lead me to places. That's how I work as a writer. So it's not so much about, oh, let's plot, you know, some shocks and surprises and huge turning points for the sake of shock value. Yeah, because I don't really work that way. For me, I don't like to judge my characters. I think honesty is a big part of my filmmaking. It's always about uh, being true to where they come from and Mm -hmm. also where they're going. Of course, when you try to put yourself in the shoes of a character, someone like Ling, like you said, a Chinese language teacher who's going through some issues, and are you sometimes surprised by where you go in the story and do you sometimes surprise yourself I mean like oh my gosh the story's taken me here and then do you do a sanity check or do you talk to people like hey is this does this seem like what a 40 year old teacher might do interestingly um I don't censor myself. I never censor myself. Yeah. And and because I don't judge my character, so for me it's not about looking at them from, you know, a moral viewpoint, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And a lot of my filmmaking is about relationships and people and interestingly like we connect in such complex ways, which is why we have such odd, unlikely connections and relationships whether is it a surrogate son or, or whatever it is you know it i'm constantly curious and interest in relationships that you know of course it's very easy to sensationalize it by saying like oh taboo relationships but for me um it's not really about that it's when you know when you have two lonely people when you have someone that hasn't had comfort that hasn't had warm in one's life for a long time and there's one other person that comes in that gives you a hand or gives you a sense of warm and comfort and you just connect because mm-hmm. that's I think that forms the very, very basic layer of our humanity. So, you know, it could come in other taboo forms, right? right. Just that I have not gone there. It could be, you know, a, a man and another man. It could, <laughs> it could really come in, in different ways. Are you a writer who when you say this character feels this and it's about to do this, are you a writer who goes like, I need to fully articulate and she needs to be fully articulate and she knows what she's feeling? Or are you more instinctual? You go, maybe she can't fully express herself so she can fully explain her behavior. And that's okay. I'm just going to leave it as a bit ambiguous in the story. For me, it's very important that I'm able to experience and feel not just my lead character or my characters in fact the way I write dialogue you know I I always tell my actors this like I can play every single character like I, when when I write those lines you know I can hear the emotion the beats the pauses in my head so when when it goes off or it doesn't quite crack the emotion on set I'm very very sensitive to it so for me it's very important that I really understand my characters before I could actually take them 
onto set and capture them and translate them onto the screen. But that being said, um, understanding them is also understanding that humans are irrational. It's also understanding that at this point of time, yeah, I would just let go of myself. At mm-hmm. this point of time, yeah, it's not so much about morality and yeah. what's right and what's wrong. It's about just gonna dive in or I'm going to sing further because that's who we are as people. We are so awfully flawed. And yeah. that's that's the beauty of life, I think. You know, mm-hmm. if we are not making mistakes, you know, the whole time, if we are not having problems, you know, whether with our parents, or our loved ones, or our children, there wouldn't be drama. And that's the reason why I've got, you know, ingredients for making cinema because, because you know, of the way we make mistakes and we err so much in life. And that gives me the material for my works. Getting into the head of a woman in a midlife crisis is one thing you've also got to get into the head of the character, the boy, played by Coachella. What was that like? It wasn't hard because... You're still a kid at heart. <laughs> yes, because I am a kid at heart. I think yeah. every... I like the thing, you know, every good filmmaker has a sense of innocence and that innocence, you know, should be kept. The moment you lose that innocence, I'm not sure if one would be able to make beautiful films anymore. And I think there's that part of me, you know, that is sort of very rational and very logical, but there's that side of me that's completely boyish, childish, completely naive and that's the reason why you don't judge your characters and that's the reason why you don't try and play God in life you know mm-hmm. you, you really observe them yeah as a human being and looking at another human being I think that's very very important well film is called wet season for a reason and that's because um, it happens during the monsoon I believe it's the year end monsoon or some some monsoon yep. period yep. where it's raining constantly yep. now it's my opinion filmmakers don't use weather enough to tell a story tell us about the use of rain in this film and it's constantly raining I mean I've always wanted to use the weather elements you know as a device you know in cinema it's particularly hard in singapore because we are a tropical country we are summer all year round we are 27 to 32 degrees you know we we haven't got the seasons you know we haven't got harsh winters there's no real change in this country but the only time where there's a real sense of change in climate it's during the monsoon where of course you know like at all times you know it does we have your short rains in the afternoon but during the monsoon um, you get heavy rains you get heavy winds Uh, in recent years we even had flooding in Bukit Timah and Orchard Road and and I think rain is very poetic Mm -hmm. I think rain is very visual it's very visceral and it feels like the useful tool to paint the emotional landscape of my protagonist, Ling. And at the same time, I would like to think that, you know, it very much sums up some of my observations and thoughts of Singapore society, you know, Mm. in the past couple of years. Uh, That's very intriguing. (laughs) How does rain represent aspects of Singapore society? I I, I think you would, if if you were to watch carefully the opening sequence in the film, the film starts with, you know, a long morning raining scene, you know, people are getting to work and and she's going to school, kids are going to school. 
and then we have a flag raising. Mm-hmm. But take a look at, you know, I, I think we are very used to how flags are depicted in cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, they are sort of always flying with pride. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, American films, we see that so much as an icon, right? Yeah. The American flag sort of like you know, swinging and waving with pride. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't comment so much, but, but take a look at that opening <laughs> scene and I think it says a yeah. lot. Okay, now, using rain in films is, in, especially films made in Singapore, it's not done a lot because it's very expensive and you, and I've seen the, the behind-the-scenes shots where massive cranes and booms and all kinds of things are raised up to simulate rain. What? <laughs> Did, did some part of you think, of, oh my God, this is getting out of hand. This is so expensive to do. Well, you know, I really enjoy like creating the world and it's probably, you know, of, you know, whether it's my shorts or whether it's the Ilo Ilo, of all my work so far, it's probably the most atmospheric film I've written. Um, I really enjoy sort of using rain as a device. Uh, I, I thought it was so beautiful and poetic, but when it came to the execution, oh... That's when all hell broke loose. It's it's very difficult to ch- stage rain. <laughs> um, and, and of course, you know, you can't have entire crew and actors sort of like sitting there and then waiting to see if, you know, God is going to give us some rain, right? right. Um, it doesn't work that way because yeah. every day you're shooting, you know, like the equipment costs money, manpower costs money. So you, you really need to stage rain. Yeah. And, um, and you stage rain in traffic. So... You have roads, you have cars, yeah. and of course we all had, the cars. We had to block down roads. Yeah. We had to bring in like 30 over cars. Yeah. We had to set up massive rain rigs. We had to use cranes. There were like two water tankers. It's very expensive, especially we do know this. Mm-hmm. Um, especially we in Singapore. Do, in Singapore it's... because we actually import water into Singapore. So exactly. water is not cheap. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> did you? Did someone say we should have filmed this in Malaysia or Thailand? <laughs> but <laughs> interestingly, because of the cost factor, we yeah. eventually we had to shoot a third of the film in Malaysia. Oh, and um, no, you're uh, not just talking about the part where no, she goes back. You'll home. be very surprised. Okay. There's there's quite a well, few of raining scenes, like big epic raining scenes, which were shot in Malaysia because oh, okay. um, because we get so much value there. Like you know, shooting. One day in Singapore, I could shoot three days in Malaysia. Right. And of course, like water is so much cheaper. <laughs> um, when yeah. when we're trying to execute all the rain in the film, we did consider using visual effects. You know, we spoke to different visual effects companies locally in Asia and even as far as Europe. And we realized that it's very, very costly. And the research has shown us that liquid effects are very hard to do. So if you see you see a lot of rain in Marvel films, but they still look slightly artificial, mm-hmm. which became a problem for me because it's such a realist, such a naturalistic film. And if there's any form of artifice, you just jump out of the film. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So, but we had a really committed and amazing art team and they did so many experiments. They did so many tests. It's about how big those raindrops were. It's about yes. I was just how heavy you, the rain was. Yeah, you, you didn't have a light drizzle. It was really realistic looking monsoon downpour. And we had to really create our own hybrid setups. You know, you have literally 
in the opening scene, her driving in a car, and then we are driving with her inside the car, and it's raining, pounding with rain into the school. So we had a, a huge truck behind her, sort of like shooting rain in the foreground. We had to hide all sorts of rain rigs behind traffic lights, you know, like pouring rain, you know, like on all the sides. And then we had another car on the side to put rain on the side of the car. So it's it's a lot of work. And, wow. and you realise that when you have such a massive setup, you haven't got that many takes. At some point, the AD will, say, uh, will, will come up to you and, and tell you, we are running out of water. <laughs> um, you have, Anthony, you have one take left. Wow. And that's when everyone starts panicking. Right. Uh, but usually, it's like uh, you yeah. get it in that last take. <laughs> I'm reminded of people who have to set up car crash scenes or explosions. You only <laughs> can explode things or crash cars a certain number of times before it says, that's ridiculous, you can't crash any more cars. Yeah, I think it's taught me a lot. To be very honest, it was very painful in different ways for me and my team. I'm not sure if I want to write another rain scene ever again, like in <laughs> any of my films. Tornadoes, no. Yeah. <laughs> Hurricanes. I think it's especially difficult because first, it's not done a lot. You know, I re- we realized in our research that if you look at all the Singapore films that have been made, like the rain scenes are pretty small in scale. You haven't really got like we will. In the yeah, final, how did you find the expertise in, and equipment since it wasn't... So we, we were making it up along oh, wow. the way. Okay. We were doing experiments. We were building rigs from scratch. So we had experts coming in from Malaysia, bringing specialized equipment. We had to fabricate certain holes. We have to fabricate certain pipes. Yeah, It's a lot of work. I remember Jack New in long, long time ago, he had a rain scene and the whole kampong got flooded. I think he filmed that in a water tank, though. That could have been a more controlled situation and it wasn't a wide shot. I think it was more of a close-up. But interesting, yeah. Now, talk to me about the casting of Kutiala, the boy in the film, and Yu Yan Yan. Now, you are saying that you know, you're not working with them simply because you use them in Ilo Ilo. And that's right. You know, yeah. I, I had no intention at all of casting them. I I knew from the very start when we were starting the casting process because I'm known for having a very long casting process. I, I did brief the casting director and the plan was let's find a new face. That's what we did on Ilo Ilo. We found Kochala when he was uh, 10 going on 11. You spoke to, what, 2,000 something? We saw 8,000 children children in lots of primary schools over months and months. So we thought, oh, let's do this. We're just going to secondary schools instead, you know, to find a 16-year-old boy. And we did. We we saw hundreds of kids. We went to 20 over schools. We selected a handful of 50, 60 that we thought mm, could have possibility, no acting experience, but had some potential or they might look great in certain ways. Brought them into workshops on weekends. You know, I'll be doing a lot of workshops. My casting team would do it when I'm not around. And we did that for about eight months and we couldn't quite find our lead. It's not an easy role to play, to be honest, Mm -hmm. Um, especially for a newcomer. Mm-hmm. And then one day, I was sort of scrolling on Instagram and then I came across a picture and a 
apparently then our dear Ko Jiale went to do some Mediacorp drama, you know, like 60 episode <laughs> Mediacorp drama. He was playing like a teenager in secondary school. And I saw a picture and I showed it to my producer. I said, this face looks interesting. You know, like, let's try and contact this, this kid. And then he did some research and look at him like, that's your actor. Yeah. And I said, oh my God, he's grown up. Like, he's literally become a teenager he was really a boyish little bratty kid you know when I was mm-hmm. shooting him in Iloilo so that was what we did we brought him back in he had to go through the same process jump Normal through all audition. the hoops okay. uh, he had to do all the workshops or do all the improv and he really sparkled he sparkled like a diamond and we knew right away everyone like we were so sure like we are going to cast him so when we decided we are going to cast him, I knew right away that I was going to look for someone in the late 30s, early 40s. There are not many of them, right? Actresses. Mm-hmm. And because it's such a intense and complicated, complex role to play, so it needs to be a professional actress. It can't be a new face. Sure. So of course... You had a wealth of... Yo Yen Yen okay. fit the bill, right? Yeah, because yeah. that's, that's, and, that's as well her as age. Ton of people from uh, former media corp or, uh, or film acting, so, or you could have so, gone to Taiwan. So I knew right. Have, a, so yeah. I knew right away that I didn't want to use Yan Yan. So okay. I went, you know, like. And she cast, was mad at you, right? She was. She was so upset. <laughs> uh, I cast cast the net like really wide. We look at actors from theater, actors from TV, retired actors from TV, film actors from Singapore, and also I went to KL because I wasn't familiar with the Malaysian scene. Why not? Why not Taiwan? Because for me, authenticity and honesty is a huge part of my film uh, filmmaking. And in the story, she's a Malaysian lady that came to Singapore to work as a Chinese teacher. And I just don't think an actress from Taiwan or even mainland China, even though I've access to a lot of these talents because of the Golden Horse Awards, you know, I don't believe an actress from Hong Kong, Taiwan or mainland China would be able to capture the accents and and the nuances. Mm-hmm. That kind of authenticity is very important to you. It's very important, which is why what you see in my film, you see a certain rawness. You know, sometimes it's so raw that it scares you. You know, it's like, it's almost like a mirror that you don't want to look at. And I, I couldn't find the right actress. If right. Eventually, I I did ring up Yo Yen Yen and I said, you know, I don't think you're right for it because I'm not sure how, <laughs> how am I going to direct this with the two of you playing this. But, you know, read the script. And she came in, we did some screen tests. Uh, she wasn't, she didn't blow me away because she was very different from Ling in the film. You know, in terms of her personality, in terms of who she is physically, she's very different. I think audiences that see this film would see that Yo Yen has completely transformed. It's a Yo Yen Yen that we have not seen before. She has very short hair, she has quite a squarish sort of jawline. She's quite masculine and, and strong and tough as a woman. But in Wet Season, you know, Ling, it's is gentle there's a certain elegance even though she's not a mother but there's a maternal quality to her she's a caregiver she's full of compassion so when we decided that we'll do this together it was a lot of hard work we had to go through first I forced her to lose a lot of weight Mm -hmm. uh, and we had to transform her physically so we had to have long hair for her and of mm-hmm. course Yen Yen you know has very short crop hair so we went around all over looking for the right wig 
we got it from Hong Kong in the end. We had to dye it to a natural color. A real human to, hair wig. Yeah, and then we had to do lots and lots of cutting and shaping before it felt right. Yeah, and then we we did do a lot of tests on makeup, dressing. It's all about it's it's a lot of work. You know, right. I think. I think what people would easily miss out on films like Ilo Ilo on or Wet Season, you know, it's so easy to just brush it off as, oh, it's just a small little drama. But you know, what you're not seeing is like outside that frame, the amount of money and resources that's poured into the rain, the amount of money and resources yeah. and time that's thought into the imaging, into, you know, getting a sense of the truth of life. You know, sometimes the simplest stuff. Are the hardest to do. <laughs> Now the film makes a couple of points about Singapore society, as you hinted at earlier, the, with the schools and the flag raising. But also, and you are speaking as someone who came up in Chinese language theatre. I think you were involved yeah. in youth theatre yeah. a lot. The film makes a point about chi the Chinese language Mandarin being considered. Less important or not as important in society. Uh, tell me about your your. Which is very much the case, I would say, and mm -hmm. um, and it reaffirmed my thoughts when I was casting, mm -hmm. because all these kids, all these fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year olds, whenever you try and speak to them in Mandarin, they would just answer you back in English, and it's. It's gone so far to the to the point where you've got new migrants, so their parents are all from China, and they barely could speak and write Chinese well because somehow they lose it so fast. Yeah, because it's about assimilating. They sound completely like Singaporeans, and they're not interested in but the you, language. Do you get a feeling that they're not only not interested, they're a bit I don't know how do you call it a bit embarrassed I by using it. I think what's interesting, you know, that is usually unspoken in Singapore society that there is a certain there's a sense of class. You are seen to be of a better. Pedigree or breed, if you speak better English, if you're able to write and present yourself well and express yourself in the English language, and of course the situation has gotten worse in the past few years because we have got an influx of new migrants, and with the new migrants from mainland China, I think a lot of Singaporeans, the way they sort of reaffirm or hold on to their Singaporean identity is. I don't speak Mandarin because I'm Singaporean. <laughs> you know, like you're from China, so you speak. They see Chinese. it as so, foreignness. So yeah. it's it's very interesting, but um, it's something that really has concerned me a lot because mm. for me, it's all about as people how we define ourselves. You know, our identity or how we exist as people. Our existence basically is hinged upon the fact that we have roots. If you're gonna yeah. cut off all those roots and uproot yourself, I'm not sure if one would still exist. <laughs> Anthony, <laughs> I I would like to remind you, you live in London, <laughs> although your wife is originally from China. Yeah, my she? wife, yeah. my wife is from yeah. China, and interestingly, <laughs> I live in London, and yes. yet, and yet, we still continue to speak Mandarin at home. You speak Mandarin, and now. I I make and it a point. Son, um, we have a, we we recently had a baby. I have yeah. a one year old son. And I make it a point that we we speak Mandarin to him because I think it would really sadden me that being Chinese that he's completely dislodged from his roots. Because for me, if you don't understand the past, how do you look in 
extended future. Well, geez, on that note, <laughs> I think uh, we've had an excellent, wonderful chat with Anthony. Thank you so much uh, for coming into our studio. It's it's a pleasure. And of course, he is here to talk about his film Wet Season, which opens in Singapore on November twenty eighth and premiering as the opening film at the Singapore International Film Festival. Well, once again, thank you, Anthony. Alright, go watch it people, it's a good one Bye-bye That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online